Hey guys, welcome to episode 7 of Align by Line, where we read and discuss poems about life topics and various wonderment, written, narrated, and conversed by your hosts, Jasmine and me, Joshua. All right, so in this episode, we are doing something, again, a little bit different. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, April is National Poetry Month. And so Jasmine and I thought that for this episode, instead of us writing poems, we are going to read other people's poems. Jasmine, how are you feeling? Are you excited for this? I am very excited for this. I tried to find some of my favorite poems, but it was just way too much pressure. So I just found poems and poets that, you know, had poems with stories that resonated with me. And I am excited mm. to share them. Yeah, same, same with me. There's so many good poems. I have, I had trouble kind of distilling them of which ones do I want to read. I agree. So, I think yeah. my goal would be to just give people exposure to lots of different forms of poetry and hope mm -hmm. that they'll, mm -hmm. you know, be curious during this month to explore some new poets. Yeah. And also the length of each poem that we're going to read will be um, varies as well. So, yeah, I'll mix it up. Yeah. All right, Josh, you want to lead the way and uh, read your first poem? Yeah, I'll read my first one. So this poem is titled I Too by Langston Hughes. I too sing America. I am the darker brother. They send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes. But I laugh and eat well and grow strong. Tomorrow, I'll be at the table when company comes. Nobody'll dare say to me, eat in the kitchen then. Besides, They'll see how beautiful I am and be ashamed. I too am America. So that's gonna, my first one. I was going to choose Langston Hughes as well. And Oh yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. I think just a, an amazing Harlem Renaissance poet. I chose it. I chose a different one, chose a different mm. poem, but <laughs> I think that was a great one. Why, why did you choose that one? Uh, I just kind of like this subtle but really strong voice that he has in this poem about um, wanting justice and equality. And I just really like it. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. But it's I think it's beautiful, too. So that's Absolutely. why I chose it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I enjoy the way you you read it. It it honestly reminds me of your style of writing where it's like very straightforward. Mm, very, exactly. Yeah. Very literal. How, <laughs> yeah, that's how I saw it too, actually. Yeah. So do you wanna read yours? Absolutely. I'll be starting with uh, a poem called A Dream Within a Dream. This poem is called A Dream Within a Dream, and it's by Edgar Allan Poe. Take this kiss upon the brow, and in parting from you now, thus much let me avow, you are not wrong who deem that my days have been a dream. Yet if hope has flown away, 
in a night or in a day, in a vision or in none, is it therefore the left gone? All that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. I stand amid the roar of a surf-tormented shore, and I hold within my hand grains of the golden sand, how few, yet how they creep through my fingers, through the deep, while I weep, while I weep. Oh God, can I not grasp them, clider, them, them with a tighter clasp? Oh God, can I not save one from the pitiless wave? Is all that we see or seem but a dream within a dream? Nice. Do you want to talk real quick about what, what it means to you? Absolutely. I just chose something from Edgar Allan Poe that was not uh -huh. The Raven, his classic mm. Once Upon a Midnight Dreary. Mm. I absolutely love the writing of Edgar Allan Poe because oh. he's more of a macabre poem. He's more of like a dark, dark side poem, mm. poet. And I, I like that he's unafraid to talk about the hard and, um, and dark parts of life. Mm. Yeah. Nice. I need to read more of his work. Yeah, I haven't I also really like, dived deep into his work before. Also, I also like that he uh, he's also a big rhyme person, just like me. Mm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were just talking about our parents. And uh, one day I was in Richmond, Virginia with my, uh, with my family and I actually went to the Edgar Allan Poe Museum, which is mm -hmm. in Virginia, with my mm. dad. And that is one of my honestly one of my most favorite memories so you know there's some relationship oh. there as well where is this in virginia i want to say it's either in richmond or right outside of richmond but i remember being in the area and being like dad dad we have to go and he's like mm. i want to go to some raven museum and i was like dad <laughs> we have to go and it's all covered in spiders and cobwebs and i think it was one of his original homes oh uh, um, okay yeah so nice. anyway enough about that let's hear your next poem <laughs> Yeah, so my next poem, um, it's titled A Table in the Wilderness. And to be honest, I don't quite understand what the poem means, but to me, that it's so beautiful. But what really intrigues me about this poem is the poet. His name is Lee Young Lee. He was born in 1957 in Jakarta, Indonesia. Like you. To I know, yeah, to Chinese parents. So his parents flew the uh, China back in the day to Indonesia. And then as a family, they eventually moved to the US, I think when, when Lee Young Lee was about three years old. So this is in the 1960. So then now he's here in the US and he's an American poet. And I love his work. I love how he writes but I don't know what it means. So let's have the conversation after I read this poem. Let's do it. Go for it. A table in the wilderness. I draw a window and a man sitting inside it. I draw a bird in flight above the lintel. That's my picture of thinking. If I put a woman there instead of the man, it's a picture of speaking. If I draw a second bird in the woman's lap, it's ministering. A third flying below her feet, now it's singing. 
or erase the birds. Make IV branching around the woman's ankles, clinging to her knees, and it becomes remembering. You'll have to find your own pictures, whoever you are, whatever you, your need. As for me, many small hands issuing from a waterfall means silence mothered me. The hours hung like fruit in night's tree means when I close my eyes I, and look inside me. A thousand open eyes span the moment of my waking. Meanwhile, the clock adding a grain to a grain and not getting bigger, subtracting a day from a day and never having less means the honey. Lies awake all night inside the honeycomb, wondering who its parents are. And even my death isn't my death, unless it's the unfathomed brow of a nameless face. Even my name isn't my name, except the bees assemble. A table to grant a stranger light and moment in a wilderness of who, where. <laughs> wow. Very interesting, right? There's a lot in there. And honestly, yeah. we could do a whole episode unpacking it. I know. <laughs> I, I honestly really like the first half better because I think I, under, I can understand it better. You know, when he was describing about I draw the window and then the man sitting inside it and then it it starts with like a thinking and then it changes to speaking he adds a bird it becomes ministering singing i think just like that visualization to me mm -hmm. is very powerful and i love that and then he kind of brought it back a little bit to you'll have to find your own pictures whoever you are whatever your need that seems very literal to me and so it's right. easy to process Right. And then it gets extremely yeah. abstract. And uh -huh. if I'm, if I'm honest, because this is the way that I write, write poems, I feel like that's where the meat of the poem is. Yeah, in exactly. all this passive aggressive, subtle analogies uh -huh. where, you know, talking about the grains of sand and the time and how every day goes by, but it still seems like we have no less time than we had before, which is none, which is no time, which yeah. is what we all have. Yeah. I, I was more, um, I think I had more creative freedom in my mind to imagine uh -huh. whatever during the latter half, yeah. even though I did emotionally enjoy the beginning and following yeah. along with the picture he was painting in my mm -hmm. mind. Mm -hmm. And then he also talked about the honey all of a sudden and the bees and the honeycomb. So I'm like, just a little bit confused, but I agree. It's a beautiful and like, you can, you know, do a whole episode about this one. I feel like <laughs> that was great. What was the author's name again? It's called Lee Young Lee. That's awesome. I'm so glad you found someone from, from Jakarta. What, yeah. When did you move to the US? You weren't three, you were nine maybe? I'm, no, I, I moved in 2012. Oh. So um, almost 10 years ago, I guess. Wow. Well, happy um, anniversary. Yeah. yeah. Well, happy almost anniversary. Almost. Still like a yeah. year, basically. Yeah, I'm up there. Wow. Well, yeah. that was great. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. I don't think if you hadn't read that, I don't know if I ever would have discovered that. Poet yeah, me neither. I just poem. accidentally 
discovered him as well. What a joy. Yeah. All right, All right. Uh, your turn again now. Yeah, I'm going to read a poem by Shel Silverstein, a classic children's poet. Something about work designed for children, whether it be educational TV or songs or whatever, totally resonates with something at the core of me. And I love um, how Shel Silverstein focuses on poems about life and the world, but also through this lens of humor. So mm -hmm. cool. I'll dive in and read this poem called No Difference. Small as a peanut, big as a giant, we are all the same size when we turn off the light. Rich as a sultan, poor as a mite, we are all worth the same when we turn off the light. Red, black, or orange, yellow, or white, we all look the same when we turn off the light. So maybe to make everything right is for God to just reach out and turn off the light. I like that. I like that a lot. I like it too. It's it's yeah. short. It's short and sweet, but it talks about just the difference between you know wealth gaps and just our our visual appearance and even race mm -hmm. in a way mm -hmm. that's easy for kids to understand. Mm -hmm. Just turn off the light. What is the title again? It's called No Difference. No Difference. Mm -hmm. By Shel Silverstein. Yeah, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this poem. And yeah. the one thing that is kind of still a mystery to me is what what is symbolized by the light, right? Mm. Yeah. Because in the mm. first three standards, he's yeah. like, turn off the light. I'm thinking, yes, obviously, literal light. But it can't be taking the light out of our lives, right? For us mm -hmm. to not, not judge each other um, based yeah. on our differences, but to see that we're... I guess it's almost like like your perception eyes for me, mm -hmm. you know? Like, mm -hmm. try to close your eyes and, and not look into these differences and just treat everyone equally. Because yeah. when you close your eyes, then it becomes dark, right? Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's that's how I see it. Close your eyes. See with something else. One of your yeah. other senses: touch, taste, hearing. I don't know. Imagine I, uh, an audio-only uh, dating app. That'd be interesting. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, called Lights Off. Interesting. That's a product <laughs> idea. All right, we'll run with it. Well, we invented <laughs> it on this podcast, so everybody, uh, Clubhouse, I'm coming for you in the dating realm. Uh, just kidding. Do you want to read your next poem? Yeah. Um, so the next one, I think a lot of people have uh, heard this. It's the during Joe Biden's inauguration, a young poet, her name is Amanda Gorman. She read a poem titled The Hill We Climb. And I just absolutely love this poem because I think she wrote it in such a very modern but also very strong way and she sp spoke it really really well and it also came at a time when we as a nation really needed hope i think and so i feel like it had a lot of extra meaning behind it 
to everyone. Wow. You, I mean, you're going to deliver this poem, right? That's a, you're going to deliver it, not just read <laughs> I will it, try. but I deliver try. it. All right. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. I will try, but here it is. It's titled The Hill We Climb by Amanda Gorman. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade. We brave the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace, and the norms and notions of what just is isn't always justice. And yet the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken but simply unfinished. We, the successors of a country and a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting for one. And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge our union with purpose, to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of men. And so we lift our gazes not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. We close the divide because we know to put our future first. We must first put our differences aside. We lay down our arms so we can reach out our arms to one another. We seek harm to none and harmony for all. Let the globe, if nothing else, say this is true, that even as we grieved, we grew, that even as we hurt, we hoped, that even as we tired, we tried, that we'll forever be tied together, victorious, not because we will never again know defeat, but because we will never again sow division. Scripture tells us to envision that everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. If we're to live up to our own time, then victory won't lighten the blade, but in all the bridges we've made. That is the promise to glade, the hill we climb if only we dare. It's because being American is more than a pride we inherit. It's the past we stepped into and how we repair it. We've seen a force that would shatter our nation rather than share it would destroy our country if it meant delaying democracy. And this effort very nearly succeeded. But while democracy can be periodically delayed, it can never be permanently defeated. In this truth, in this faith, we trust. For while we have our eyes on the future, history has its eyes on us. This is the era of just redemption, we feared at its deception. 
We did not feel prepared to be the heirs of such a terrifying hour, but within it we found the power to author a new chapter, to offer hope and laughter to ourselves. So while once we ask how could we possibly prevail over catastrophe, now we assert how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? We will not march back to what was, but move to what shall be, a country that is bruised but whole, benevolent but bold, fierce and free. We will not be turned around or interrupted by intimidation, because we know our inaction and inertia will be the inheritance of the next generation. Our blunders become their burdens, but one thing is certain, if we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy and change, our children's birthright. So let us leave behind a country better than one we were left with. Every breath from my bronze-pounded chest we will raise this wounded world into a wondrous one. We will rise through the gold-limbed hills in the west. We will rise from the wind-swept northeast where our forefathers first realized revolution. We will rise from the lake-rimmed cities of the Midwestern states. We will rise from the sun-baked south. We will rebuild, reconcile, and recover in every known nook of our nation, in every corner called our country, our people diverse and beautiful will emerge battered and beautiful. When day comes, we step out of the shade, aflame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it, for there is always light if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. And poem. Thank you so much for thank you so much for sharing that. I know I I love this so much. It's so powerful. It Sorry really that it's really long. I oh, hope no. people are not leaving. Well, <laughs> okay, it was really great. I really enjoyed it now and even then. There's just it's fantastic, you know. And you know her whole rise to that moment was, mm -hmm. you know, she didn't come out of nowhere. She worked and worked. Oh yeah. On on this, you know, did you know? I think I sent you that video. She had a speech impediment growing up, mm -hmm. and yeah, just worked through it. Yeah, fantastic. I'm actually gonna read next a poem that I feel like may have been a reference point for a part of that poem. You know? Oh, so nice. Yeah, there's so many pieces like the history it has the size on us from Hamilton and um, just lots of different quotes in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But great choice. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Looking forward to hear your next poem. This poem is called Still I Rise by Maya Angelou. I will do my best to read it with the style and flair and attitude that she herself reads it with. <laughs> nice. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt but still, like dust, I rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Cause I walk like I've got aura wells pumping in my living room. 
just like the moons and like the suns with the certainty of ties, just like hope springing high, still I'll rise. Did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard? Cause I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness, but still like air, I'll rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear it in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the dream and the hope of the slave, I rise, I rise. Arise. Dang. Oh my God. I love that so much. And you performed it so well. I Thank love you. it so much. Thank um, you. It's so beautiful. Uh, um, and I mean, it's Maya Angelou. So. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Amazing. I mean, just some, just imagine, right? So I think I was introduced to Maya Angelou, you know, in school when I was mm -hmm. younger. And she was, you know, already very much up in in uh in years and to see if this is where amanda gorman is today in her youth mm. we are blessed enough to get decades more of her imagine that she could be the next or even a greater my mm -hmm. angelou of our mm -hmm. time yeah yeah i especially love when uh the the line about dancing as if a diamond and between my thighs. Oh and, yes. Um, the black ocean. Mm -hmm. I I love that. I love those two lines a lot. Absolutely. This is one that I think both is a great bridge between February and March, between Black History Month and Women's History Month. Mm -hmm. She is that intersectional uh, diva that just elevates those that have been traditionally put down and she just gives me so much pride in mm -hmm. my blackness and mm -hmm. in my womanhood oh this poem yeah. gives me so much energy so much love <sighs> thank you thank you my angel yeah yeah my last one it's actually also for the inauguration for obama hmm. um i actually don't know if this is for the 2008 or the 2012 one but it's called Praise Song for the Day by Elizabeth Alexander. Each day we go about our business, walking past each other, catching each other's eyes or not, about to speak or speaking. All about us is noise. All about us is noise and bramble, thorn and din, each one of our ancestors and our tongues. Someone is stitching up a hem, darning a hole in a uniform, patching a tire, repairing the things in need of repair. 
someone is trying to make music somewhere with a pair of wooden spoons on an oil drum with cello, boombox, harmonica, voice. A woman and her son wait for the bus. A farmer considers the changing sky. A teacher says, take out your pencils, begin. We encounter each other in words, words spiny or smooth, whispered or declaimed, words to consider, reconsider. We cross dirt roads and highways that mark the will of someone and then others who said I need to see what's on the other side. I know there's something better down the road. We need to find a place where we are safe. We walk into that which we cannot yet see. Say it plain that many have died for this day. Sing the names of the dead who brought us here, who laid the train tracks, raised the bridges, picked the cotton and the lattice, built brick by brick the glittering edifices they would then keep clean and work inside of. Praise song for struggle, praise song for the day, praise song for every hand-lettered sign of, of figuring it out at kitchen tables. Some live by love thy neighbor as thyself, others by first do no harm or take no more than you need. What if the mightiest word is love? Love beyond marital, filial, national. Love that casts a widening pool of light. Love with no need to preempt grievance. In today's sharp sparkle, this winter air, anything can be made, any sentence begun. On the brink, on the brim, on the cusp, praise song for walking forward in that light. Wow. I, I, love, the word, well. I love the wordplay in there. There's just yeah. the one thing when you were reading, the one thing I was thinking is, wow, poetry slows you down. Poetry demands like a depth of your focus uh -huh. and attention. Yeah. And in yeah. a world where we're watching these six second videos or 15 second videos with loud mm -hmm. sounds and motion and everything that just, it's just like ripping our attention. Poetry is like, mm, I demand it with a subtlety. Yeah. This poem is exactly the kind of poem that's like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, you can't skim me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's actually a really good point that I've never thought about before. I think poetry as an art form it's beautiful in its way because it demands attention from others. And once you're pulled into it, then it's like you're in, in a journey in every piece. And it's not like you're just scrolling through, you know, you right. have to process and read it every single word because it yeah. means something. And it's going to hit you differently depending on what kind of mood or mode yeah. you're in. And, and sometimes poetry isn't mm -hmm. for you. It's a gift that you can give someone else to see their feelings mm -hmm. that's reflected so beautifully. Like the poem with Maya Angelou, I'm sure she wrote it for herself to empower herself and not necessarily 
just for other women to feel empowered mm -hmm. by it. Yeah, the poem you read was a history lesson and a call to action. It was beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So rich. Let's hear your last poem before absolutely. we end this episode. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to do my best to read this one. It's not in it's uh, not in a traditional style that I would normally read, but it really mm. stuck with me and resonated <laughs> resonated with <laughs> me. I'll talk more after I read the poem. Mm -hmm. Okay. The poem is called Dog Park, and it's by Brandon Brown. I told Allie I really wanted to write a poem called Dog Park. In bed, she's like, you could make it a New Yorker poem where you go to a dog park and then have some huge epiphany. And then we have a soft debate as to whether a poem called Dog Park needs a dog park in it or not, or even a dog. I don't know. But I do know that I don't want to get up out of bed. Not now. Five milligrams of warm indica coaxing me into its native land of sleep to write down Allie's idea for my poem, Dog Park. And I tell her, so, and she says, get up, you're a poet, and it's true. So I shuffle off this warm, magnificent mattress, firm as the back of a golden retriever in the prime of its life. The blinds in the bedroom are shut tight against the mean lights of the Pacific East Mall that moan all night and make the nearby bedrooms bright. But I get up uh, to write down what might be the beginning of a poem called Dog Park, with or without a dog park, or even a dog. And obviously, you'd rather be a cloud than a poet, Jesus, or the plastic tip of a vape pen, or the floating lint in the store where they sell beds and sheets and pillows and duvets, or even the grody hunk of sand on the ground of a dog park my nightmare. But it will just take a minute or two, and then I can pee one last time with the impunity, double check the doors locked, go back to bed, wait for the next one. Hmm, very interesting. That was dog park. <laughs> Why did you pick that one? I picked it because a lot of my poems come to me at inconvenient times. Mm, they come mm -hmm. to me as I'm in my deep thoughts before sleep. Mm. You know, does something about the day resonates with me or maybe my phone has died, you know, and so I'm not scrolling or swiping or watching or the power is out or I'm yeah. on a long walk somewhere where technology or even a pen is out of reach. And so the thought lives in my mind and my only options are to keep dwelling on it so I don't lose it mm. or to scramble and write it down immediately. So I really loved that this poem completely captured that, that idea of like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is this worth it? Is this dog park idea worth it? Is it going to be anything? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the thought about the poem itself became the poem itself. Uh -huh. Autobiographical. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Great, great. I, 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 I sometimes would have the same situation too. And I feel like with writing poems for me, the hardest part is writing that first line or the first 
four lines of the poem. Mm-hmm. Just like how to start it. It's kind of the same with with him, right? Like he's trying mm-hmm. to to get out of bed. I guess I have to create this poem to write this poem about the dog park, but he doesn't know where to start. Right. And I resonated with with that line because I feel like a lot of times that's the hardest for me. So true. I mean, yeah. I've got at least 50 poems that are work in progress, right? Where inspiration <laughs> struck me and then that the moment passed or, yeah. or the time wasn't right or it didn't make sense. So um, now, you know, I use this app Ulysses to store my poems. Now I have an inbox where they just live unfinished mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I can dive back into them. Um, I usually, I don't know if it's too much structure, but I usually try to dive back in on something I call work in progress Wednesday. Mm. <laughs> where I dive back into a draft and see, is it in me? Has it happened to me? Yeah. Is it ready to be born? No, not yeah. yet. Okay, another day maybe. I love yeah. that. I should do that too. I don't have too many drafts. I usually have one inspiration. Okay, I know this topic that I'm gonna write, and then mm. I'm I'll spend like three hours, four hours just writing it. Mm. That's how oh. I usually do mine. What a luxury. You just you go through the whole labor process of birthing the poem in one go. I wish that were true. Some, I mean, sometimes it's a beautiful experience where it just flows, bam, bing, bam. You get a poem. And then other times it's like. Yeah, it's longer. Yeah, I've had those too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this was fantastic. I really enjoyed mixing it up and just engaging with new works. Yeah, this is interesting. By other artists and even just hearing you read and your thoughts on other people's work. Mm-hmm. Same here. I love reading your, uh, listening to your different styles of reading. It's kind of refreshing too. Thank you. Thank you. That wraps up episode seven of A Line by Line, a podcast where we normally perform original poetry and converse about various life topics. But today, in honor of National Poetry Month, we shared with you many different poems by poets that we love and enjoy. We hope that these provided you with some fresh perspective and new ideas and inspired you to engage more with with poetry because as we mentioned before, it demands your attention. Mm -hmm. In this podcast, we normally release episodes every two weeks. So be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on whichever streaming platform you're listening from. Follow us on our social media channels. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Align by Line, as well as on our website at alignbyline.com. If you have questions, comments, feedback, poetry, poem suggestions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. We are just at the beginning of our podcast journey. We might be more than halfway through the season, but we have so many more exciting future plans, creative content, and thought-provoking conversations that we cannot wait to share with all of you. But for now, this is Jasmine and Joshua signing off. See you in the next episode.